Bob and Callen podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. With uh, John Shannon, as per usual, you okay? Me, I'm great. It's Wednesday. It's Hump Day. Oh, yeah, you got your cardigan on. Your cardigan Wednesday. I can't see your uh, buttons there. Yeah, so it is. It ha- is. We're bringing we'll the tradition back, Bob. Yeah, that's we're good. We're bringing that tradition back. You know. Good. It was only a tradition in your mind. You understand that's that. not true. We used to. I used to get three or four tweets. Being, is it? Is it Cardigan Wednesday? People. Yeah, but used that's to watch because you started show. that. You started yeah, that stupid well, idea. Then, you have to start somewhere. Well, I understand, but that's I mean, all I mean. I mean, when were you the first one to say I could give a flying fadu? Uh, I don't know. I suspect but, so. Well, then you started something too. Congratulations. Do people, do people say that? Only when they're know. talking about you. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Of course, do people work? Do, does, do guys wake up on Wednesday morning and say, geez, I got to put a cardigan on? Because it's well, cardigan I know one, Wednesday. I know that one does. Well, that's it. <laughs> got to start uh, somewhere, we're, Bob. We're going to talk to talk to a guy. I've never seen him wear a cardigan. Have you? I can't remember. He's, you know, he's a um, coach. He's a coach. He just wears sweatsuits. Mark Crawford has been an NHL coach for as long as I can remember and has been a lot of different places as a head coach, most recently in Chicago as a, an assistant, yeah. but he has uh, decided to go back to Europe where he was for a period of time and coach at Zurich. So he has signed a new deal that is the balance of this season plus the next two years with the Zurich team. Um, and he is there right now and we'll chat with him about what it's like coaching in Europe these days and why is he still coaching well yeah he's 61 years old i think yeah and doesn't know. need the money yeah and i don't think he you know he's is he is he making as much as a head coach in the american hockey league would make oh probably more than an american league coach yeah you think yeah well at least he's making some money too but he probably he likes tax free in switzerland too yeah he he likes it there and we'll we'll show you mark crawford from zurich when we come back in a moment Hi, this is Bob McCowan for BetRivers.com. Hey, if you're looking for a sports book or casino app, you should check out the BetRivers Sports and Casino app today. Play all of your favorite casino games for real money anywhere and anytime. Plus, get in the action with each sports game with hundreds of sports betting options. And get ready to feel like a VIP because you'll earn both loyalty level points and bonus store points on every real money wager you make. You must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, contact Connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 or speak to an advisor free of charge. BetRivers.com. Well, we are back. It's McCowan and Shannon with you, along with uh, our friend and uh, former NHL coach, and now his second uh, stint in uh, Zurich, Switzerland, coaching over there. Mark Crawford is with us. You signed a what, two and a half year deal? Yeah, I, I actually signed a two year deal um, just before Christmas uh, to start next year, but uh, they wanted to make a change after Christmas, so I decided. Well, it's a pretty good opportunity. You got a chance to win. Uh, with the club uh, here and I said what the heck I actually ruined my wife's Christmas present because she was heading to Aruba with uh, with myself we were we had a a planned trip in January but we've now postponed that uh, till May and hopefully I'm still in the family when I get home (laughs) so how does how does that work Mark Uh, when did they first contact you and and when you say you had a contract to start next year uh, was that just uh was was it just a, a foregone conclusion that Kronberg was going to be dismissed at the end of the season? Uh, well, what happened was um, uh, Ricard signed with Tampere for next year. They do that over here. Uh, I found it a little difficult to, uh, to, to, to realize because it happens with players all the time, too. Players are signing their contracts for next year now. Uh, so, you, you know, we have a few players on our team that will be with different uh, teams next year and it happens with coaches as well so when he announced that he was going to Tempe a um, I talked to the people in Zurich I said hey I'd really love to uh, 
uh, to come back. And that was uh, the initial contact that I had with them. Um, we had spoken a couple of times in mid-December and actually uh, came up with a deal for the following year because I was still under contract with Chicago. And then uh, they, they wanted to make a change. So they made the change and then you have to do some uh, some negotiations with the, the, the NHL club to allow you to come over here. I mean, obviously you get uh, paid uh, uh, well in the NHL and, and over here it's, it's, it's okay, but it's not the same level as, as NHL coaches are making. Well, the Blackhawks would be happy to not pay any more too, wouldn't they? <laughs> well, they're still paying me, I hope. <laughs> well, this is your second time around with this team. Obviously, you had a good time the first time around. Yeah, I did, actually. We had a great team. Um, you know, I was here for four years. Uh, we won the regular season title um, uh, three different times here. And then we won the uh, uh, the finals, uh, the playoff championship uh, once. We won the Swiss Cup once, and we lost in the finals uh, one time as well. So uh, really good success. There were great players. We were really proud of, of uh how we help develop the the hockey over here, and there's a lot of guys in the NHL that are products from uh, from our system. Uh, we brought in Dennis Mulligan, who was with the Leafs, now with Colorado. We brought in um, Jonas Zigenthaler, who's with the New Jersey Devils. Uh, uh, Ronald Kinnan's got a stop in Vancouver. I uh, was a player that played for us, uh, and of course, everybody knows that Austin Matthews came over and played a year for us as well. So right. a lot of good players have been developed here. It's a great place to play. They got a brand new arena, the Swiss Life Arena, and uh, I'll tell you what, it is going to be the place to play uh, in Europe. Um, you know, uh, NHL teams, I'm sure, will be coming here the way that they're going to those arenas in Prague and in Berlin now. Who are your imports this year? Uh, this year we have. Um, uh, on defense, we have Miko Lettinen, who was with the Leafs and, sure. and Columbus. Uh, he's a good player, still got, a, uh, I think, NHL potential. Uh, we have uh, um, Lucas Walmark, uh, who played a little bit for me uh, in Chicago. Uh, he was also in Carolina and in Florida. Um, uh, we have Dustin Azevedo, who's a Toronto boy and, and was in LA's system. I think he actually might have been there when I was in L.A. That's how far back he goes um, uh, for the first year. But uh, uh, he played a number of years in um, the KHL, and he came over to Zurich last year. Um, uh, we have, uh, oh, who else do we have? We have a Czech uh, goalie, um, uh, Hronik, who has been injured, but he's coming back probably this weekend. He's won a number of KHL championships and uh, plays for the uh, uh, the Czech national team. Uh, who else have we got? God, you guys, are, you're, you're, you're stumping the band right now. We have uh, Garrett Rowe, uh, who's an American um, who has played a number of years uh, over here um, in uh, Zurich. And I believe we've got, uh, oh, Alex Texier. Uh, oh, really? Columbus. Alexa Columbus. Uh, he was a, he's, a, yeah. he's, he's a French. Yes, and he's a he's really an excellent player. And I think the hope is that he'll be back in the NHL before uh, too long. I know in talking with him, that's his goal. Um, uh, he had a number of family issues. I guess COVID really hit his family terribly. And uh, so he decided to come back and Columbus gave him their blessing to come back. I've actually uh, spoken a lot here uh, lately with uh, a number of the uh, Columbus personnel. So they're obviously having an active interest uh, in Alex. Uh, you would acknowledge that, that while they're, you know, ho hockey fans are well aware of the NHL and to some extent, the minors in North America, it seems we know very little about what goes on in Europe. Um, yeah. Would would you say that the quality of hockey that that you're coaching now is what comparable to the American Hockey League? I would say it's actually probably a little bit above. And the reason I say that is because there's uh, there's a real element of speed and experience over here. Uh, the Swiss League is a very fast league. Uh, when they play American League teams, like they've had a number of American League teams come to the Spangler Cup and that sort of thing. Where they have trouble is with the, the, the depth. Uh, we have six imports now in our league. Um, and you couple that with the, you know, we've got some very good um, Swiss, uh, uh, Swiss national players. We've got um, Yannick Weber. Uh, we've got Dean Kukan. 
who plays on defense for us. Uh, uh, you keep going down uh, the list. A lot of our players have had a shot at, at NHL and, and in many cases have played uh, a lot of games. Uh, it's a different brand of hockey over here. It isn't quite as physical uh, for sure, uh, but definitely the speed aspect. Uh, we catch a lot of teams by surprise uh, with the, the speed that we have throughout our lineup. Is that primarily because of the ice surface, Mark? I think it is, yes, uh, for sure. It's it's largely about that. It's the style of play, uh, I think, as well. You know, there's a lot of influence uh, from you know uh, Swedish coaching, from uh, Finnish coaching, uh, from uh, uh, Russian coaching. Um, you know, Zurich has has been traditionally a team that is uh, when they've won their championships, they've always had a Canadian coach. So uh, I guess that's why I'm back. I think they're hoping to strike magic again. Uh, but it is a really good league. And, and I'll tell you what, the other thing, I've told this to anybody who will listen. If you ever want to go and watch a game, you've got to come here to Switzerland to see just how, you know, the fans are. I mean, they they, they cheer the whole game. Uh, they're singing the songs. It's very much like the uh, European football uh, games. You have to know the songs. You have to know uh, the uh, the chants, and uh, they do not leave their teams. They're, they're lifelong friends. I mean, I've got a number of friends over here who have married uh, friends from our derby partner and our derby partners here in Cloton. Uh, and, um, you know, he's expected to cheer for that team. One, you know, when we have a derby, they'll cheer one game for us and they'll cheer one game for the other team. The guy works for our club. So that's uh, that's how it is. They have allegiances. They're lifelong. And I'll tell you what, the atmosphere in, in, in the rink is uh, in many of these rinks is just spectacular. It really is. You know, I was it's talking easy. to David Poyle because uh, uh, he had the Predators over there uh, in the preseason and and he was amazed more than anything else at the fan base and how they would chant the players' names, even in player introductions. Oh, yeah. So every 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 time the PA announcer would say Roman, the fans would chant Yossi. Yeah. And and he said, we, we've got to learn from these people. We can do better. Yeah. And from that standpoint, it, it is really cool. And, you know, there are some, uh, there's a team in Umbria, and it's been around for a long time. I think it's been almost 100 years, if not over 100 years. And they used to be right in the mountains and uh, their, their rink was open on one side. But if you played there on a Saturday night and they won, you had to stick around to watch these people sing this song called La Mountainita. And it's just, it's really a, an interesting atmosphere. Uh, our fans here in Zurich, you know, Zurich is a very well-to-do city. It's very cosmopolitan, uh, a banking center, a technology center. So you're dealing with a very educated fan base. And those people on a, on a, on a game night, they have fun. They're there to cheer. They're there to have fun. They don't sit on their hands like maybe the corporate crowd that would be in, in Toronto on a Wednesday night playing uh, in a game against, you know, a, a not-so-good team in the NHL. So you said a new you've got a new arena in Zurich. How big's the arena, Mark? Uh, the arena seats over twelve thousand people. I think it's uh, between twelve and thirteen thousand. Um, it's got all sorts of amenities uh, that rival the NHL. Uh, uh, it's a very, very uh, the, the scoreboards like the Dallas Cowboys uh, scoreboards. It's the biggest um, uh, uh, screen in uh, in Europe. Uh, so they're very proud of that and. Uh, the highlights are spectacular. And, you know, I find myself watching the game a lot of times. If I can't <laughs> see something, I'll look up at the screen, get a better view. So ownership, how does ownership work in a, in, in a town like Zurich? Is there, is there one guy? Is there a, when you talk about it, is there a Jerry Jones that owns the, owns um, the Zurich team? Harry Walter Fry is, um, is, is a, uh, a major car dealer, um, in all of Europe, uh, and so he uh, he is a Zurich guy. He played hockey. He actually played, and uh, our farm club is called the GCK, which is Getzica. And uh, he had played in that organization. And and his story was he amalgamated the fierce rivals of Getzica and ZSC, which is the Zurich club. Uh, and he amalgamated them and brought them together. And and uh, you know for the last uh, thirty or thirty five years. Um, they, they've got a, a real strong program. 
uh, going. There's quite a few people playing in our minor hockey system. Uh, they have they spend a lot of money on on coaching and um, they just have great facilities. So that's why they're developing uh, so many players here in 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 Zurich. But he's the owner. He's got a board of directors, other people that are involved, um, and they're all prominent business people uh, in. Um, in Zurich and Swiss Life, um, a guy named Ralph Durig is uh, uh, a major president of Swiss Life. So he's uh, uh, the guy who brought in the naming rights. And he was telling me the other day that he says that's been the most positive thing that's happened uh, to them because they've got such great recognition because everybody loves the new building. Wow, that's cool. And, and uh, when you coach, I mean, Switzerland is one of those fascinating countries that I mean, there's the, the German quadrant, the Italian quadrant, the French quadrant, yeah. and and you speak English? Is You coach in English? I coach in English. We've actually had uh, uh, our goalie coach and the assistant coach that we've got in the interim because Rob Cookson, uh, who coached with me before and and also coached in Ottawa and Calgary and, um, and Chicago uh, um, as an assistant, he's coming over, but his wife broke her leg and he had to He's had to stay back and help her uh, get healthy enough, but he'll be coming here at the end of the month. Uh, but we've had two two Swiss speaking uh, coaches, and that's been really good. Uh, honestly, I, I think it's the the major improvement that we've made to our staff now because you know we uh, we coach in English. He does his drills in English most of the time, and I of course do do my drills and any speaking in English. But if somebody doesn't understand something, it's great to have somebody that speaks the Swiss dialect and uh, and, and can can make for a young player that we have absolute sure that he's getting every uh, single part of it. So I'm really happy about that. And who knows, maybe I'll pick up Ein bisschen Swiss Deutsch. Uh, yeah. I'll pick up a little bit too. <laughs> Is communication any kind of a problem? Do you find it difficult? No, it, it's not. Um, Zurich, it is a very cosmopolitan city. Everybody, language here is totally amazing. They can switch from uh, from uh, Swiss uh, to French to Italian. Uh, all our players, I, I guarantee you, they speak at least at least three languages. And uh, there's a lot of guys that are in, in school. Um, so, you know, these are a lot of guys that have come over, they've played in North America, uh, they've played junior, they've come back and, and, and played uh, uh, in the Swiss League. Uh, they, they, they are very dedicated people. Uh, they go to school in the afternoon or, or in the evening or they take correspondence courses. And, that, you know, I just had one, uh, one of our players come to me and he says, I have to miss the practice on Saturday morning. I have to write uh, an exam for my master's <laughs> program. So he's doing his master's while he's playing uh, nice. for us. And, and that's, you know, when I was here before, there was three or four of the players that uh, did the exact same thing. So very smart uh, group of people. And um, it's a great brand of hockey, and I'm really happy that I'm uh, that that I'm back here. It's it's a great place to to work and play play the trade. Um, really interesting and a little bit different dynamic than the NHL. So, well, the only place in North America where there's any kind of language issue, I suppose, is Montreal, where yeah. the perception is that you you almost have to speak French if you're going to be a coach. But most of that, I think, I don't think that's fan based. I think that's based on media, for the most well, part. Remember, Mark coached in Quebec City, so. Well, yeah. I know. Um, is, is that the issue? And do you have any issue with that? With uh, uh, with addressing the media? No, um, uh, I'll speak in in English to them, and, and most of the media that they like that because you know they can now write an article uh, that a lot of people won't listen uh, to, won't have listened to the post game interviews or things like that uh, and I always found that that was the case in Quebec City as well uh, the reporters actually liked it because it it, it made their jobs a little bit easier yeah. when you think about Montreal and you you think about RDS and uh, uh, TVA and all of the the programs that there are there, and and John knows this from <laughs> from his TV background. I mean, they follow everything. There is mm -hmm. nothing that's not known in in oh, Montreal. Sure. Uh, you know, and that's why it's probably the toughest place 
to coach because not only are you expected to have a, a communication and a relationship with your fan base, which is right. Uh, you know, I really think that uh, for the Canadians, you, you should speak French if you're going to be the head coach of that team. And uh, uh, at the end of the day, it's the, the challenges is that everybody knows everything and you almost have to insulate your club or find ways uh, to make them be able to deal with uh, the intrusion into their privacy that happens uh, on a regular basis. Yeah. You know, I couldn't help but listening to you talk about how what a great place Zurich is. And it almost sounds like a recruiting tool that we're talking about right now. And, and there is one, there is one former great NHL player that actually fell in love with Switzerland so much that, you know, he married a Swiss girl and spends a lot of time in Davos and that's Joe Thornton. Absolutely. And so and when's the, when's the phone call coming to Joe? Why don't you come and join us in Zurich? Well, Joe's, uh, if Joe's going to go anywhere, he'll go up in Davos for sure. He is, <laughs> he is so ingrained in that community up there. Like I think he's in with all the directors uh, of, of the team and there are quite a few of them. He's viewed as, as a guy who, who has played up there as someone who uh, is a local almost because he's married to Davos uh, a, a girl and, uh, and they're a big fabric of the community up there. So looking forward to seeing Joe, they just fired their coach today. So, you know, and actually the, this guy used to work for me the very first year, Christian Volvo, if you remember him, uh, uh, he was the, he was the coach that uh, when he was coaching the national junior team for Switzerland, he made those really crazy comments when they got beat by Canada. And he said, you know, look at it, look at us, poor little Switzerland and, and all of that thing. He's an outgoing guy and I'm sure he'll land on his feet. I think that was the world junior in Buffalo. He made, he really <laughs> made an effect, it made an impact on lots of people saying, uh, why can't North American coaches be this frank and honest? <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Or as they say over here, Ganal, Ganal. <laughs> hey, uh, why why are you still coaching? Because I love it and uh, I miss it when I'm not. And that's the short answer. That is uh, the true answer. Um, you know, I I, I uh, was lucky enough to have a father who was in the business forever. And, uh, you know, I saw him work probably into his 80s. And I actually think that it really hurt him when he gave it up um, because some people have hobbies and some people have the ability uh, to find other things uh, that they really enjoy. Uh, but I know that uh, one of the strengths that I have, and maybe it's an over strength, is that I, I really love being around the game. And uh, when you do that, it, it uh, makes the days not very long. Uh, you enjoy going to work. You enjoy putting in the uh, the time. And for me, it's all about the relationships that you make. You know, uh, I'm getting to coach a lot of, uh, uh, of of different kinds of athletes here. You've got a lot of guys who understand the NHL. You've got a lot of guys who understand the Swiss National League, but you're trying to help younger players progress. Um, you're trying to share your ideas, in this case, with an, a, a different culture, too. Uh, so I think that's positive uh, as well. And uh, it is about the relationships you make along the way. I was so thrilled to come back here because I knew the ownership really well. I, I knew the board uh, uh, here really well. And I, and I really admire and, and respect a lot of the people uh, on that board. But the, the biggest reason was I had such uh, good relationships. My wife and I have very good friends uh, over here, uh, people that worked in the organization and came over to, to North America and, and visited us on a number of occasions. So we've got really good friendships. And that's really, uh, again, what it's about, no matter where you work, you love to be able to uh, have a great time at work. But if you have a, a, a social life away from it, then it's a huge bonus. And, and we have that here in Zurich. Look, you're younger than both John and I. So this is Quite not much. A, yeah, yeah, well, but much. come on now. But you are, but and 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 this, so this is not an age-related question. But the truth is, you're in your sixties now, and you've got another two years in Zurich, we presume. Yep. Um, all things being equal, have you thought about retirement? Is that even I, on your radar? I have thought about it, uh, Maxi. Uh, you know, I want to also be respectful uh, of uh, my family, and um, you know, and again, I don't want to put a timeline on anything that I do as long as I'm still got the energy to coach 
then that's what I want to do because this is the best job that I've ever had in hockey. I love, I loved being a player, but I wasn't as good at playing as I think I am at, at, at coaching. So I love this aspect of the job. Uh, and as long as I have the energy to do it, then I'm, I'm, I, I want to continue to do it. I also know that I don't want to be totally selfish and not, uh, uh, towards the, uh, the later years, you know, in my, in my 60s and my 70s, uh, take away from maybe some of the things that my wife and I uh, would would like to do because you, right. know, you, you want to do it while you're healthy. You want to do it while you're uh, uh, able to enjoy it. And uh, we're getting the best of both worlds right now. Because yeah, I want to both- get to that a little bit, but yeah. we have to take a break first with, with uh, Mark Crawford. We'll be back in a minute. And now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. These days, more athletes are speaking out about the importance of mental health. But you don't have to be in the pros to take care of your mental well-being and being focused and in the zone. Therapy is the best way to stay in peak mental shape. We've all seen firsthand the benefits of unloading the stress, of working through the emotional healing and dealing with anxiety and depression. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient accessible and online get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey and you can switch therapists at any time when you're ready to feel at the top of your game therapy can get you there visit betterhelp.com bobcast today to get 10 percent off your first month that's better slash bobcast Mark Crawford is with us. It's McCowan and uh, Shannon with you. You, We were talking a little bit about family before the break. Uh, will your wife come over there at some point? She's coming over this weekend. And she's oh, is gonna she? She's going to be here for a couple of weeks, and then she's going to come back uh, in uh, March a little bit later um, and stay for the rest of the year. Uh, our year can only go as long as I think the last game that's possible, at, I believe, is April 27th. Uh, so we finished regular season uh, in the first week in March and the playoffs start. Uh, there's a play in round for uh, teams 10 to 10 to seven. And then they, they, they go down to eight and then you have three rounds of four of seven. So one last round in the NHL and uh, it's pretty intense. Uh, you know, the, the four years I was here, I think we had, I think we had five seven-game series. Oh, really? Uh, wow! Four years, so uh, lots of uh, lots of intense hockey. That's for sure. Will you the come back to hockey. North America um, when the season's over? Yes. You come back yes. for the summer. Yeah, we have a we have the luxury. We we have a place out in Vancouver. My son is coaching with the Canucks now. He's the video coach uh, with the uh, with the Canucks. So we go back there, and we also have a a, a summer place on the St. Lawrence River. Uh, near Cornwall, Ontario, where I played junior hockey. And I really, uh, really like being there. It's a great uh, place to be in the summer. Yeah. So the the the, the, the sanity of a, a season that ends, uh, you know, before the 1st of May, and, uh, it, it, you know, it's, it's a totally different lifestyle from what you were used to in the NHL, which was 24-7, 365 in the end, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it, it is an intense job uh, now. Um, the, the the job in Europe is is I'd say a little bit more civilized because they have the breaks and right. the breaks uh, although I've missed uh, three of the breaks <laughs> they have a break in November uh, where the national teams get together they have a break in early December where the national teams get together Christmas is off in Switzerland because of the Spangler Cup right and um, and then they have the, uh, the the what's known as the Olympic break but the final break in February, where all the national teams get together. So there's a very much a national team flavor uh, to all the countries here and all the leagues shut down for uh, a week each each time. So that makes it really good because, you know, you can you can uh, plan to go uh, on a trip and we've really taken advantage of those things. Uh, Zurich is so centrally uh, located. We're three hours from Milan. We're three hours from Munich. We're four hours uh, to Paris. You can take a flight in an hour, uh, any place in Europe, and we have taken advantage of those things and got to see some really cool places. So, so what's your what's your work week like? I mean, you, you games are are what days of the week, and how much time do you practice? 
Uh, games are usually uh, Friday, Saturday, and then you'll have uh, uh, a Tuesday game probably every second week. So it's about five games every uh, every two weeks. Uh, our, we usually, the, the good thing about a set schedule like that is Sunday's usually a day off. Uh, so, uh, you know, that, that ends up being really good. It's very much like a college schedule that way. So uh, this week, for instance, we practiced really hard. Uh, Monday and Tuesday, we had a second practice where we do skill development uh, on the Monday. And sometimes we'll do that again on Thursdays. Actually, that, that was how we got Austin Matthews, truly, because we, you know, we showed him the schedule. We showed him how much uh, practice time there was. We, show, we, we talked to him about skill development and, and that sort of thing. And he really liked that. He, he, uh, and I think that's one of the reasons why we, uh, we do such a decent job of developing uh, players over here because we have the practice time, just like a college program, just like a major junior uh, program. And then you're busy on the weekend. You've got those two games, um, bang, bang, but uh, you always have the third uh, day off. There's not too many, uh, three games in four nights. It happened uh, earlier last week with us, but uh, uh, it happens maybe once, maybe twice a year. And travel is game day only? Like like when you game think about your... Only. Yeah. Game day only. Our longest trip is three hours and 15 minutes to Geneva. And, uh, you know, if you're playing in the Western Hockey League, that's a that's a taxi cab ride. Yeah. <laughs> so you so you practice, say, three times a week. Is that is that fair to say? Generally speaking? Uh, no, we're probably we're probably closer to four. OK, probably closer to four, three and a half uh, if you averaged it out. There's no NHL team that would practice anywhere near that amount of time. Not even close. Not, Not even, even close. close. You, know, um, you know, in the NHL, you're you're trying to get stuff done in a half hour's ice time. Um, yeah. And that's what I found the last uh, three or four years, especially. You know, when I was earlier coaching uh, uh, in the league, it, it seemed like we had a little bit more practice time. Maybe we weren't as scientific uh, in the nineties and the early two thousands, but it's really the science has taken over now and you try and really minimize um, the amount of time that you're on the ice and you try to get your conditioning done off the ice in the NHL here, you've got a little bit more time. Um, uh, I still think you got to be concerned about uh, how your, your players are in from a fatigue standpoint. Uh, but for the most part, we have more time to work on the, uh, on the system parts of the game than the NHL would have on the ice. Do you have to be a little bit more creative as a coach because of the amount of practice time you've got? Absolutely. And, um, you know, you got to be a little bit more hands-on uh, yeah. as well because, you know, in the NHL, as you well know, everybody's got four assistants now or three assistants or at the at the minimum. Um, over here, um, we're, we're – we've just gotten to the point where there's a second assistant. Uh, you know, when I was here before, there was only myself and, and Rob Cookson and, um, uh, and we would have an occasional goalie coach. Uh, but now we're getting to the point where we've got the, the, the third assistant. So you end up doing a lot more of the grunt work, which I think is good. It was really good for me because it brought me uh, back to the roots of my coaching and, uh, you know, when you're hands-on, you, the buck stops with you a little bit more, too. How has your philosophy changed since your first journey into, into Switzerland? I mean, you, you had to stop in Ottawa. You ended up being the head coach there. Then you went to then the Chicago scenario. Uh, are you a different coach today as you were when, when Austin was with you? Yeah, I, I, I think I continued to grow up. I thought that the, the Zerk experience was wonderful for me. Again, we just talked about... Um, you know, being more hands-on, that was part of it. But the other part of it was um, I became closer to the players uh, in, in Europe. And uh, it started with the imports and it started kind of by accident. They were having trouble getting babysitters. So my wife and I started babysitting for the players. And I can remember uh, Ryan Shannon, no relation to you, but uh, yeah. Ryan Shannon, Ryan Kelly and, and Marc-Andre Bergeron, their kids would be going around going, oh, crow. Maybe laughing and thought I was great because I'd play with them. And those guys were looking at him saying, well, geez, my kids like this grumpy old coach. <laughs> and so it, it kind of changed me a little bit uh, to be a little bit more open with my players because 
I didn't want to risk that relationship. You know, I really, I know my wife really enjoyed um, the, the kids that were over here and, and we enjoyed getting to know uh, uh, the couples that were here that, uh, that much. And, you know, uh, going into the NHL, I became assistant. And then as an assistant, you're, you're, you're there to help. And your relationship with the players is, is bigger than the head coach. It is when you're the head coach, at least it was for me. Yeah. Um, uh, again, I thought that uh, head coaching, you're directing a lot and you're kind of just orchestrating uh, a lot of what's happening. Um, and you have decent discussions with your players and try to be close with them, but I don't think that you can get as close as the assistants can and certainly not as I could here in, in Zurich. So uh, I'm more adept at doing that now, more adept. Uh, obviously, you know, I've had my issues throughout my career and I've learned some lessons. Um, and one of them, uh, you know, paid, paid dividends here. We had a kid throw the puck in the stand the last minute we got scored on. And uh, he, he talked in the Swiss media. Like, I didn't know what he said, but here's what he said. The guy said, oh, Crawford must have been really hard on you when you did that. And he said, no. He told me, he said, he wasn't mad at me for throwing the puck in the stands. He was mad at me because I stayed on the ice too long and I was tired. And then I threw the puck. I didn't even think twice about what I said to him, but you can see a little bit of how I've changed because quite truthfully, I probably would have been all over his You'd have snapped earlier. before. <laughs> I would have snapped earlier in my career. Yeah. And now I, I found a better way and uh, ended up getting uh, some bonus mileage uh, for it. So I guess we do. It is true. They can teach a dog old, an old dog, new tricks. Yeah. Well, some of us have uh, been painted with uh, tough brushes sometimes, Mark, you're not hey, alone. I know. And you know what? I, I don't think I ever want to lose the fact that I push and, and I want uh, a lot from players because I do think that's a big part of coaching. I think you need to push. You, you, you have to push, but you can do it in a way uh, that uh, that doesn't fragment or or hurt people. And um, and uh, that's the uh, that's the goal. I don't want to I don't want to change the topic completely, but I just had this vision of a couple of our friends in the NHL being head coaches and babysitters. Can you imagine John Tortorella? <laughs> I, think, I think John would be great. The one I'd love to see, I'd love to see Daryl. I would love to see Daryl hang out with a couple of three well, or four. I'm sure he's pretty good with his own grandkids, but I'm not I'm sure. sure he is too. I'm sure he is too. <laughs> or, or, or Babcock. I'd like to see Mike with the kids. You know, they, they'd be doing drills. Uh, they would be. Yeah, yeah. You're over here and I want you to start into that line. I, I wish I could do a good uh, Babcock uh, impersonation, but I can't. <laughs> so so do, you, uh, do you see yourself coming back to coach? Um, yeah, who knows? Who knows? I'm, I'm very happy here. Uh, I'm happy that I, uh, I, I knew at the end of last year, I, I, I did try to get a lot of assistance jobs. And in the end, I didn't get one. And I started thinking to myself that really, what is it that you want to do? And I do want to be, I, I do want to run my own team. And so this was the opportunity. Uh, and, I, and I thought that Europe was going to have to be the, the place where I was going to uh, get that opportunity. I talked to, you know, a couple of my brothers who are in the industry and that sort of thing. And they're pretty bright guys too. And, and, and they kind of said, yeah, that this, is the, this is the right spot if that's what you want to do. And so I'm, I'm happy I made the decision and uh, we'll see where it goes from here. We are of an age where we can remember when there was a great debate within hockey about the size of the ice surface being larger in Europe and how they, how you have to play differently, how you have probably have to coach differently. I think that has dissipated over the years, I guess, because we see so much international hockey, but I'm mm. wondering, do you, do you feel like you have to coach differently because of the ice? Yeah, you do. You, you really do. Yeah. Uh, you know, how you close on people defensively, how you defend uh, both on the penalty kill uh, and, and possibly on the rush because there's more room. Um, people will say, you know, you just have to protect the inside. And I think that's a large part of the game still. People that control the middle of the ice in all three zones end up being very good teams. Uh, but there's so much more room to escape uh, and um, the discipline that you need to have when you pursue out 
If you just wait on the inside, A, I don't think it's a real nice product for your fans. Uh, if you uh, just wait on the inside, sooner or later, teams are gonna break you down. Uh, and so now the question is when you pursue to the outside and you pressure to the outside to have it coordinated and to really have the, uh, the, the type of habits that penalty killers have when they pressure. If you watch a good penalty team pressure in the NHL, that's what good defense looks like in, uh, uh, in, in any place in Europe. You know, you can have pressure on those outside forces, but you got to have some protection inside and, and people have to be able to skate and win those races back to the high intensity areas, which are in the middle of the ice. So that's what uh, uh, we try to do here. I think it's, uh, it's become uh, uh, an entertaining game over here. Uh, you're not quite as much seeing teams set up in, in, in a trap style in the neutral zone. Not quite as much. Still happens um, from time to time, but it's, it's much more of a skating game. It's much more of a puck protection game and, and trying to beat people with overloads. They still, they, there's a couple teams over here that do a great job of really putting pressure around the net and, uh, a lot of attributes that um, I, I think that NHL teams will, if they haven't already copied, they're they're looking at them and saying, oh, "These are pretty good." Yeah, well, that see. actually that leads me to a question: Do you think there's been more influence of the European game in North America or the North American game in Europe? Uh, I think it's it's equal. Um, I, I I really feel that right now the trend in Europe is a little bit more North American mm. uh, with the way that they're attacking the net. Um, I do think that the, uh, the the systems in the neutral zone in the NHL they definitely come from Europe, um, you know, and they're they're soccer based more than anything. They're football based. Right. Uh, the, the way that they triangle offense and triangle defense and and really use uh, their their ability to to put pressure in areas. Um, with regard to the larger ice and scoring. Is scoring less on a larger ice surface in general? That that seems to be the consensus. Do you uh, think that's it, true? It has been for, for our team. We're looking to find ways to score more goals. We defend really well. Um, but uh, offense, it's not as high scoring as the NHL is this year. So obviously the NHL is doing something really uh, well because I, I think goal scoring is as high as I've ever seen it. Um, and I would say... Uh, that the the goal is uh, for offense. Everybody likes offense. You come from a game. Oh sure. No matter where you are, if 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 a team gets a chance to to score a number of goals, uh, people are far more satisfied with a loss that might be uh, six five than I think they are uh, on a loss that's one nothing or two one. Sure. A loss is still a loss, but I I do think the uh, the the value of the entertainment. Um, because people are there to cheer, and uh, uh, I, I really like the fact that, um, that that hopefully there's a real push towards offensive hockey. Uh, I think scoring is where it's at, and and hopefully uh, it gets there. But you know how it is. Defense is the easiest thing to improve. Mm -hmm. You have more control over uh, how you defend than you do on your offense. You're very dependent on. Uh, the skill level of your people. Uh, Daryl Sutter said it the uh, the other day. I remember reading uh, something in he, where he says, you know, we have to concentrate on volume shooting. We're not a great scoring club. We have to invest in, in, in numbers, numbers of chances that we can create because it's going to take them a few more numbers to score goals. And, 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 and I hope that that's what most teams do because, uh, again, I think that type of game it creates rebounds. Rebounds, you never know where it's going. You never know where the bounce is going to be. And I just think there's a, there's a value of more excitement if you do try to get to the inside and you try to uh, to score with volume shooting. Before Especially you left for Switzerland, um, this was a strange NHL season. You'd be sitting at home, I'm sure, and watching as many games as you could. Yep. How, how can you explain it? I don't know. Like I, I was looking at the 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 the, the playoff 
spots in the Western Conference. You know, you're looking and you're seeing Dallas on top, Winnipeg in second place, uh, Colorado out of the playoffs. I mean, it's just bizarre. Right. Uh, I haven't seen this kind of turnover uh, of, uh, of of teams um, and uh, in, in a long time. And uh, uh, again, uh, I I think that. Um, Depth is really where it's at right now. If you have a depth of talent, um, that's so important to being a good team in the NHL. Because uh, I think gone are the days where you can where you can load up one line and try and win games. Uh, you know, you you've got to have depth throughout your lineup. In my mind, uh, both offensively and defensively. And if you if you can have instead of uh, you know two top lines, if you can have uh, three second lines, I think sometimes you're way better off. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you're, you're in more games. Holding leads has been an amazing, amazing storyline this year throughout the league. And while living in Vancouver, you would have heard about that more than yeah. ever. Because yeah, no kidding. The Canucks, the Canucks again last night. I don't know last if you heard, night, but three. up three yeah, nothing. Three I mean, just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of time uh, your defense is dependent on uh, on on goaltending, but most of the time it's depending on the defense. Uh, I always felt that um, if you had two defense pairs that could play against top lines, that you were going to be a good defensive club. Mm -hmm. And and I think the teams that struggle don't have that. Right. Um, you know, they 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 are trying to manufacture people uh, to come up and play against pretty decent scoring guys and or scoring lines. And it's it's really showing itself right now in teams that don't have uh, that high end quality of uh, of defense. Uh, they're giving up way too many goals, and uh, I think it's a lot to ask a number seven defenseman or a number six defenseman to play in those top four minutes on the number of nights that they've had to do it in in the places of teams that uh, that uh, give up a lot of goals. And that's probably where it is. The other, the other aspect might be the goaltending. Um, usually, I think the, the the forwards, if the centers are decent, uh, they can they can help out. But for me, it's always about the quality of your defense pairs. And right. if you've got those guys that are good, then then you have a chance. Easy to follow the NHL from there. Yes, it is. It's 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 really easy. You know, with all the apps that uh, that are out there. You know, if I'm if I can't sleep, which has been the case for the first ten days. I'm usually turning on a game. <laughs> well, what are you about six hours, seven hours? Six, six I think. hours. Yeah. Six, six behind hours. us or ahead yeah. of us. Ahead, actually, yeah. Ahead, actually, yeah. Really good when you have afternoon games over there. I think those are those are fun because yeah, evening game here. So, um, so I I don't know whether I'm I'm accurate or not, but it seems to me that the NHL offense in the NHL now revolves almost entirely around play at the blue line. In other words, the puck goes to the defenseman and the offense is created from that point on. You know, rushing chances are few and far between. And maybe it's always been sort of that way, but my perception when I was younger was that it wasn't. Is it that way in Europe as well? Absolutely. Is offense really created at the blue line? Absolutely. And, and I can, you know, I, I remember so much watching... Uh, games when I was a teenager, when I was a young, uh, a young guy, and rush chances were where it's at. When I got to Vancouver, yeah. Roger Nielsen and Ron Smith, who coached out there, they would always say it's a rush game. It's a rush game. It is a rush game. You got to work on your rushes. You got to work on defending it. But if you look at all the old tapes, you'll see so many times that the puck came back into the high slot or people went around the net and the puck was in the high slot. And those guys were always open or seemingly yeah. they were always open. Uh, that's where it's changed. Uh, defense has become um, uh, very, very consistent in, in coming back and having backside pressure and taking away uh, chances inside the house. So teams are having to try and manufacture uh, chances in other ways. And a lot of times it's through offensive zone play. Uh, you're absolutely right. You know, point shot with people in front of the net, with the double screen, a high tip, that sort of thing. Pursuing the rebounds is so big. Yep. If you got to have a good offense, that's what you want, right? Yep, absolutely. That sounds like Daniel and Henrik to me. <laughs> yeah, they were pretty good at it. Uh, they were pretty good at finding those little soft areas and and knowing uh, 
seemingly where the other guy was. And uh, we put a guy that could uh, that could score in around the net with them, whether it was Anson Carter or uh, Alex Burrows or uh, Trent Clatt or no matter who it was, those guys usually uh, spoon fed a few of them uh, quite a bit. Mark, it was, uh, it's been too long since we uh, touched base. It was uh, delightful to see you and to talk to you and uh, to connect again. We hope we can do it down the road. Uh, we congratulate you on your, your appointment. We hope you have a, um, an, an enjoyable two and a half years, at least in, uh, in Zurich. And, uh, we wish you all the best. Thank you very much for taking time for us. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Great. That's Mark Crawford in Zurich, Switzerland. We'll be back in a moment. Uh, we are, uh, we are back. Our thanks to Mark Crawford for uh, being with us. You know, the old wide world of sports, uh, spanning the globe. Sure. So, so we, like, like we had, uh, we had our, our soccer buddy, John Herdman from, uh, he was in, in Doha, right? So yeah. we were, we were in that and now we've been in Switzerland, you know, we, we're, we're spanning the globe. We're going to have to next? get Mexico. Is it? Yeah. We're going to Biden on Trudeau. <laughs> No. Well, I don't know. We're gonna, have, but we'll have somebody from Mexico. Who are we gonna talk about? I, I don't know, Bob. You know, you know, you know. You think I actually plan what we talk about before the show starts? Oh, I know you don't plan. No. I know you don't think about one question. Not, that not you could one ask. question. No, it's not. Just, I mean, that's is there somebody I know someplace? Yeah, that's right. And let's just let's just talk to them and see what comes out. That's the magic of the podcast. Uh, we did basketball yesterday. Yep. And there was a game last night. And I they made they made shots, Bob. They were making they, shots. They, like they crazy. made shots left and right last night. But you know that's not going to continue. Well, the only There's good no... thing is that they have they have Charlotte again and they have that's Atlanta. True. You know, yeah. so they're going to end up having a winning record on this six-game homestand. They're going to be four and two, and people are going to say, we got a chance for a play-in. Well, look, at if they go four and two on this um, homestand, this six-game homestand, I don't think anybody will expect them to make any kinds of deals. Jones yesterday sort of suggested that he doesn't expect them to do anything, at least nothing too serious, uh, leading up to the trade deadline. What do you think? Well, I, I just can't imagine this team that has built itself, and I'm trying to be consistent with yesterday, that's built itself on creating championships, thinks that this nucleus can create a championship. I agree with you. And, and so my answer is find a way to leverage everybody you can and, and, and start from scratch, you know, or, or start from the one or two people you think that are our core guys. I think there are, I, I actually now think there are two guys that are core guys. See, uh, I, and, and an Obi. You do, huh? I do. I know you don't, but I do. Look at, I, 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 I would, if he could stay healthy, I, I think he's a valuable, a valuable guy, but I just he's don't ne- see he's anybody never been else for a whole year. I, I don't want, there's no, you don't get trophies for being mediocre. You don't. Look, at overall, I don't disagree with you at all. Um, the question becomes, is there a deal out there? And is there a deal out there that gets you a quality individual? Because what you don't need is is a massive, massive numbers. Draft choices, I don't care that much about. And bench guys, even though the Raptors could use bench guys, that isn't the core of the problem. Yeah. You know, You can't expect bench guys to go out there and win you games. You hope that they hold it, their own. It'll, it'll be difficult to go out and buy or trade for one of the bright young stars in the game. Nobody's giving them up, Bob. I think you're 100% right, and I don't know too many teams that are really bad that are prepared to give up their good well, players. Oklahoma City would be the only one. That would so. be the only one. and yeah. I mean, they've done it before. Maybe they will again. Yeah. But we will see. Over we'll talk basketball while. tomorrow again. Oh, okay. Uh, that'll do it for us. We are out of time. For John Shannon, I'm Bob McCowan. We'll uh, see you next time. Goodbye, everybody.